Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear, and fine leather goods, all at 50% to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. Welcome to the Julia Hartley Brewer Daily. If you missed any of my talk radio breakfast show, don't worry. We've put some of the punchiest bits of this morning's show into a bite-sized podcast. The Julia Hartley Brewer Daily. Enjoy. Online, on DAB, and on the Talk Radio app. Talk Radio. Delighted to welcome my first guest of this hour, uh, Foreign Office Minister, Conservative MP, James Cleverly. Good morning to you. Julia, good morning. Good morning. Uh, let's uh, talk about, well, one of the many, many topics that are on the, uh, on the agenda this morning. Of course, the Brexit uh, deal or no deal. We don't know yet which way it's going to go. You were a keen Brexiteer, of course. Nigel Farage spoke to us a little bit earlier of the Brexit Party, now the Reform UK Party. He said his biggest fear is that there will be a deal and that Boris Johnson is going to sell us out. Given what the EU are demanding right now, is a deal any chance of being a good deal? Absolutely, absolutely. And the fact that this is going to the wire, the fact that we are negotiating very hard, David Frost and his team pushing hard on the, on a, a small number of important issues that are still remaining, uh, are I think that should be demonstration to, to everybody that our team have been negotiating very hard. Um, and actually... You know, I don't know how this is going to play out over the next day or two, um, but we shouldn't be surprised that these negotiations are going to the wire. That tends to be that tends to be the the case with many negotiations, particularly with the EU. Um, but we are making making sure that we protect the interests of British people, British businesses and the sovereignty of the UK. Okay, but where are the compromises to be found? Uh, We know for a year or more now, the the, the UK government and the EU have been on very much different playing fields when it comes to three issues. State aid and a level playing field, fishing rights and issues of government. So who decides a dispute? There's no basis on which we're going to accept the European Court of Justice effectively deciding uh, if there's an area of dispute. There's no basis on which we can say, yes, of course the UK can have access to our fishing waters forever and a day, uh, even though we're a a national sovereign state. And there's no basis on which we can stick to EU rules uh, on taxation and state aid and the like, because what was the point of voting for Brexit in the first place? Where is the room for manoeuvre? Where is the room for compromise on all of this? Well, I think the I think the I'm not in the room, so I don't know the detail of exactly what's being uh, what's what's being debated, what's being disagreed over, or, or where the flexibility on the EU's part may uh, may be. But but you you've raised a number of important points that uh, we want to decide who doesn't does not fish in our waters. That doesn't mean to say that, that foreign fishing fleets 
uh, will have no access to the to, 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 to UK fishing waters. But we should decide. The UK should decide uh, how much, for how long, at what cost. Um, so, and that's not an unreasonable uh, state of uh, state of affairs. And I think if the EU can understand that all the UK is asking for are the same rights that any other. Uh, um, third country negotiating a trade agreement would accept, that's when I think we can get movement. Um, And look, we know it's tough. It might not play out today or the next couple of days, in which case we we are willing, not our preferred option, but we are willing to leave the transition period without a trade agreement. But I do hope that we can thrash one out. Okay. I mean, I think a lot of people say it is likely. We often get a lot of drama at the end of these things. But there is still a lot of concern, even from Brexiteers like myself, who would be perfectly happy uh, philosophically, uh, theoretically, with a no deal. But concerned that the government has not been preparing properly for the prospect of a no deal in terms of the actual preparations at the border, preparing companies. You know, we've got a few lorry parks being built in in Kent. But actually, the supply lines not being looked at properly. Uh, We know that uh, there's been a a, a document that's been seen, this uh, this official sort of reasonable worst case scenario. Okay, it's worst case scenario, but it does look like long delays uh, for a few months at a time where we're in a global pandemic. Um, Has the government taken its eye off the ball a bit too much? Well, we've always we've always uh, known uh, that uh, an agreement is the preferred option. Uh, and you talk about that reasonable worst case scenario document. That document, it's, it's not a prediction. It's basically a document to stimulate and focus uh, planning and preparations. And, okay, and did it have... stimulate focus planning and it worked? Absolutely, absolutely. Uh, and so there's been a public information campaign, which I'm sure you will have seen, to help businesses prepare for when we leave the uh, transition period. We've also allocated £700 million for enhanced border preparations to address uh, those concerns about there being pinch points at the Dover Calais crossing and other crossings. So um, we've been uh, we've been both as a government uh, taking action ourselves and also ensuring that businesses and individuals uh, take action. So um, we 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 can avoid uh, that uh, worst case scenario, um, but ultimately what we would prefer is that those things become moot points because we uh, we get movement from the EU and we get a, a, an okay. agreement over the line. Um, now, I know every other interview this morning has been uh, saying to you, oh, we were promised an oven-ready deal by the Prime Minister because that was the withdrawal agreement it for actually Brexiting. Exactly. So I'm not going to waste my listeners' valuable time with that <laughs> nonsense because it is just absolute nonsense. I remember what was said. I remember the context. However, it is fair to say that when there's going to be a lot of talk if we don't get a deal, that sort of, oh, we're going to have an Australian style deal. So choice between a Canada style deal or an Australia style deal. An Australia style deal is, to all intents and purposes, a no deal. Is it not beholden on, on Cabinet and Foreign Office Ministers and everyone else like you in the government to, to be honest with people and say, yes, if it is a no deal, we're going to call it what it is. It is a no deal. We're going to trade on World Trade Organization terms as we do currently right now with huge number of countries around the world, including America, our biggest single yeah. as a nation trading partner. But can you promise me that you'll call it what it is? Well, the reason I think the reason that we we use that language is because there were some people who were trying to create the uh, illusion that if you don't have a trade agreement, you can do no trade. And the point we were trying to highlight is that, as you said, is a nonsense. Australia trades with the EU very successfully without a formal trade agreement. The the US trades without a formal trade agreement. Um, and what we wanted to show 
is that you know a trade agreement is preferable, but many, many countries trade very, very successfully with the EU without a formal trade agreement. We didn't want people to be uh, conned uh, or, 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 or seduced by the idea that no trade agreement means no trade. And that's why we use that phraseology, so people understand better what the implications are. Let's turn our attention to the vaccine that's being rolled out as of tomorrow. We're still obviously waiting for the huge numbers of vaccines to turn up the 4 million uh, doses that we've been told by the end of the year. There's a big logistical exercise to go ahead. We spoke to an expert in cold chain logistics earlier who said this is basically like a well-choreographed ballet. Uh, There are 80 different elements that need to be in place in each hospital, even for that. Are you confident that the government is going to roll this out well, given that we've had quite a few logistical problems with getting PPE to the frontline people who need it, protecting care homes, uh, issues with test and trace. Um, When it comes to making a big promise, the government's always there. When it comes to delivering the boring day-to-day, minute-by-minute practicalities, this government hasn't done very well so far. Well... Actually, the the response, the global response to coronavirus, we've all had to to kind of learn on the job because this is unprecedented. No country in the world has ever had to deal with this. And I would remind you that the National Health Service is one of the biggest organisations in the world. Incredibly sophisticated, but but complicated uh, kind of you know entity. But we have learnt a huge amount through uh, this um, uh, this pandemic, um, and and actually. The government has, I think, certainly on the vaccine side of things, been an absolute world leader. We are world leading uh, not only in the development of uh, one of the vaccines, but from the government's point of view, we've ensured uh, we've 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 bought uh, we've bought vaccine doses across a range of vaccine providers to give ourselves um, the, the yeah the best uh, spread. We're working very very carefully with the joint uh, committee on vaccines and immunisations about what the prioritisation and the deployment plan will be. We've given a huge amount of thought for this. Um, and actually, with, with things like testing, for example, um, we, we now have a better testing regime than uh, Germany or Italy. Um, we, we really are at the forefront now in terms of uh, use of the vaccine. So I'm, I'm confident that we will actually deploy this well. OK, let's hope these words don't come back to haunt you. Let's talk about the vaccine passports, though. We were told we wouldn't need vaccine passports. We won't need a certificate. We won't need to have access to, uh, to get to that swab. We were told it wasn't one of the plans of the government uh, to access basic services or gain access to places. We know that you're going to be given a card when you've had your vaccine, as you do for any, any uh, mm. vaccine that you have. Any, you get a little card. There's going to be a, a national database of who has had this vaccine. A lot of people are very concerned, including me, uh, that this is not going to be a compulsory vaccine, but basically if you don't get it, you're not going to be able to do anything, you're not going to be able to get on a plane, not be able to go to a football match, not be able to go to a theatre, go out to a restaurant. In effect, if it is going to be compulsory in all but name, can you guarantee that this is going to be a voluntary vaccine that no one either indirectly or directly will be forced to take? Well, I think that the, the two elements, uh, and, and, and you've highlighted it completely correctly, um, you know, I, I do a lot of international travel um, uh, because of my job, less than you'd normally expect, but I'm starting to travel now. Um, and, and when I go to a country, they want to see that I've had my jabs. Uh, and that's fairly well established, and, and we've all got those cards. And so for international travel, this is a well-established uh, element. For the things that you're saying about going to restaurants, going to football matches, that is absolutely not what this is about. Um, and... Um, the you know my my position, government's position rather, is that 
um, is that you know, this is a really important uh, vaccine, and we would encourage everybody to uh, to, to to take it. Um, that this will help, you know, unlock the British economy whilst also protecting lives. So, um, yeah, we really, really do want people to to do this, and we'll demonstrate that it is uh, safe and effective. I will take it when 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 it's my turn. My my father, um, who who's getting on now, is in his late seventies. You know, he will take it. Um, but uh, I think there's a long-standing history of of, of mandating vaccinations. Uh, often can be counterproductive. Okay. Um, but we do want. You're not ruling it out, though. Take it. Well, the thing. Is, so it is. It is not going to be government uh, policy. As Michael Gove made clear, it is not going to be government policy for that to be your ticket to a football match or a restaurant booking. And we would make sure that the private sector organisations understand that fully. Okay. For things like international travel. That's a different, that's a different matter. Thing. Yeah, I think, OK. Just finally, uh, your colleague George Eustace, the Environment Secretary, uh, yesterday defended the Millwall fans who booed the, uh, their players who were taking the knee as a part of the Black Lives Matter uh, process, uh, and uh, which we've seen every single Premier League match uh, since they returned. Um, do you agree with uh, George Eustace that uh, they've got every right to, to boo and express their views? Now, I, I, I've not seen the footage directly, but that's not my understanding of what George, the point that George was, was, was looking to make. My understanding is that uh, he was saying that the, 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 yeah, the players should be respected, but he also went on to say, and I completely agree with him on this, that there are certain members within the Black Lives Matter movement that are trying to drag that into a very political and quite an extreme political area. Not the majority of the people who are are showing solidarity with racism, certainly not the players. And I think it was absolutely wrong for the fans to boo the players who were just demonstrating their desire to... Why why was it wrong for them to express... If the players are allowed to express their views, why can't the fans express theirs? I just... You don't have to agree with either. Well, uh, the point is that you know, there's, there's, you know, people, people make choices. People make choices, uh, and if some of the fans, it certainly wasn't all of them. If some of the fans chose to boo. They've made that choice, and my choice is to criticism, criticise them for doing so. I think it's wrong that that, that they did that. Um, and you know, if they're saying, "Oh, we weren't booing the fans, we were booing the agenda," it, it, it lays them very open for misinterpretation. So the point I'm saying is that I think it's wrong that they did so. All right. Um, and, I, and, I, and, and I think it's, it's fine if players want to demonstrate that they stand up to racism. Online, on DAB, and on the Talk Radio app. Talk Radio. Online, on DAB, and on the Talk Radio app. Talk Radio. The day when the Brexit talks are, oh, we're told that. Yes, what a surprise. Another crunch point. Let's talk to the man who, well, partly responsible for getting us here. Uh, the leader of Reform UK, formerly the Brexit Party, Nigel Farage. Good morning to you. Yes, good morning. Good morning. Right, we are told that uh, we are very close to a deal and then we're told we're not close to a deal. We could be uh, leaving the EU transition period in just a matter of a few weeks without a deal whatsoever. What do you think the likelihood of a deal is? And if we don't get one, whose fault is it? This is Paige, the co-host of Giggly Squad. And I want to tell you about a company that I've been loving, Olive and June. 
Olive and June gives you everything that you need for a salon-quality manicure in one box. And if you break it down, it really comes out to $2 a manicure, which is absolutely insane. It's also so easy to get salon-worthy nails at home with Olive and June. The difference between how your nails used to look when you did them yourself and now with the Manny system is a complete game changer. The best thing about Olive and June, too, is it's a quick dry. Dries in about one minute, lasts for five days, and full coverage in up to one to two coats. Visit oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. That's oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to Monday.com. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. If you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. Use the Stamps.com mobile app to mail everything you need to keep your business running with up to 89% off USPS and UPS. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Use code PROGRAM for a special offer. That's Stamps.com, code PROGRAM. I think the likelihood of a deal, I'm, I'm afraid to say, is quite high, uh, because I think uh, what is clear is that Monsieur Barnier, uh, and in particular President Macron, won't give us anything. Literally, they'll give us nothing. So Boris Johnson faces a choice. Does he simply walk away, or does he cave into their demands? The signs, Julia, are not good. We've already agreed that we will stay part of the European human rights regime. The Human Rights Act will stay. Uh, we will, of course, have the ECHR able to overrule our courts. But perhaps even more significantly, the government have also agreed that we'll stay part of the European arrest warrant. So, you know, a Romanian magistrate with no prima facie evidence could have you, Julia Hartley Brewer, extradited uh, from this country um, and, and sent don't, to Romania. Don't give the Ramonas and, ideas, for God's sake. <laughs> well, yeah, and, but, but of course, all of that um, overseen by the EU's own court. So when we're used to here taking back control of our laws, our money and our borders, clearly, uh, in terms of laws, we're giving in already. Uh, look, I hope I'm wrong. I hope Boris Johnson realises that if he caves to their demands, not only will he face a rebellion within the Conservative Party, he'll face a major electoral challenge from outside the Conservative Party. So I hope that he understands that, but I, I still think a sellout's on the way. OK, you think it's a sellout. I mean, there is a lot of uh, talk that actually that, you know, the Cabinet we saw over the weekend, that the Cabinet would stand firm behind a no-deal European research group of Eurosceptic MPs, uh, putting yeah. on a united front, something we hadn't seen for many years, certainly when Theresa May was in charge, everyone was sort of arguing amongst themselves, so of course the EU thought they, were, they could get away with it. Is this an element, though, we're going to go down to the 11th hour and there will be a compromise agreement, and a lot of people who voted for Brexit, big supporters of you will say, do you know what, 
some sort of compromise is what's necessary. We've got the important stuff that really, really matters. A little compromise on, say, fishing rights or, 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 or here and there isn't a big deal. But a lot of people also might say issues like governance and state aid are such big sticking points. There is no point yeah. voting for Brexit if we still allow the EU to decide what we can yeah. and can't do. We shouldn't even be discussing a level playing field. It shouldn't even be a consideration, but it is. And why? Because Boris Johnson signed up to a new EU treaty last year, something that people at the time, I think because of Brexhaustion, chose to ignore. Uh, look, if we finish up tied in any way to EU rules, then that is not Brexit. It's really quite simple, isn't it? Um, and I'm afraid, you know, four and a half years, that's, ha that's how long now Conservative prime ministers have had to sort this out four and a half years. It is wholly unsatisfactory. But as I say, despite all the tough words, my fear is uh, that particularly given it looks like an incoming President Biden in America, you know, who is not well disposed towards the United Kingdom. I think all of those pressures drive Boris into doing a deal um, that and you may, Julia, you may be right. The country may say, do you know what? We can't be bothered. Let's just move on. Uh, but if there is just a, even a faintest feeling that Boris has broken his promises, we will be into very different politics in this country in a few weeks. OK, well, you are rebranding your Brexit party, which, of course, won the European elections in 2019, which is really what pushed the toppling of Theresa May, Boris Johnson uh, into leading the Tory party and winning yeah. that uh, that 80 majority last December. I mean, goodness me, it feels like a lifetime ago, not just a, a year and a bit ago. Um, but your rebranding is the Reform UK party. And your focus now is, well, depending on what happens with, with the, 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 the Brexit deal and the trade talks, um, is actually focusing on what is going on in the UK right now, and that has been the lockdown. Um, you're speaking to us right now from Kent, which of course is in Tier 3, massive restrictions on people's lives in Tier 3, massive restrictions on most people's lives in, in this country. Um, you're going to be standing candidates at the next local elections, because uh, we don't have European elections anymore, um, on a anti-lockdown policy. Um, do you well, think that there is going to be a strong demand, a strong support for your, your new party on that basis if we're already, say, vaccinated half the country and we're already... This is not just anti-lockdown. This is not just anti-lockdown. This is about... And, you know, when we campaigned in the brand new Brexit party for the European elections, we did so under a motto of change politics for good. For us, Brexit is the first necessary step to wholesale reform and change into how this country is run and how this country is governed. And frankly, what we've seen uh, through coronavirus is how badly run we are, how poorly our money is spent, how inefficient our quangos are. So we're a radical voice saying, let's bring our whole system of government into the 21st century, getting rid of the outdated House of Lords, amending the voting system, cleaning up postal voting, allowing people to hold referendums on issues which they choose, uh, and without a doubt, properly taking on the BBC, taking on the big quangos, taking on Whitehall. That's what we're about. OK. Um, and in, in terms of, of what support level you think you've, you're going to have, I mean, there's, there's a growing, I mean, certainly on the issue of lockdown and the issue of sort of us being basically, you know, tired, our lives now totally controlled by the state. Um, 
as I mean, which many of us believe is now it's a total overreaction uh, to the actual the reality of the threat of COVID to the vast majority of the people. Where are you on the vaccine? The vaccine's going to be rolled out as of tomorrow. Um, when you get your vaccine, you will have a little piece of a little card saying you've had the vaccine. It's going to be recorded, you know, nationally that you have had the vaccine. A, would you take the vaccine yourself? Although I know you and I aren't actually in the, the first few categories, uh, despite no, our not. advancing years. Um, but B, would you, do you think that there will be some sort of vaccine passport? And where, where were you on that? Look, I want this thing to be over as quickly as possible. I agree with you. I think the government has, has taken outrageous uh, levels of power over our lives. I mean, gosh, they're going to give us four days over, over Christmas when we can meet up with two other households. Isn't that nice of them? I mean, as if they own Christmas. They've even bamboos in pubs in Wales. I mean, the whole thing's awful. On the vaccine, look, I welcome anything that helps us get back to life as quickly as possible. But let's be honest about it. It links in with government power. I'm going to have no choice about whether I take the vaccine. Literally no choice at all. Because if I want to fly anywhere else in the world, they're going to insist that I have had it. And I think you'll find, Julia, uh, that it may be very difficult for you to go into that building and work unless you've had the vaccine. That is how it's going to be done. Um, And do I think it should be compulsory? Absolutely not. Do I welcome it? as a way of perhaps getting back to some normality, yes, I do. But I'm I'm sorry, uh, people out there that think they can avoid uh, taking this vaccine, well, if you're retired or living in you know rural England somewhere, you probably can get away without having it. The rest of us will be forced into it. Okay, even though, I mean, and I would certainly want my parents to get it in their 70s, whether I, as someone who's yeah. uh, healthy in her early 50s, who's had the virus, whether it's sensible for me to take it. Um, certainly, I certainly would not my, want my child to take it. It's not been tested on pregnant women. We don't know what fertility issues there are. I don't think it's an unsafe vaccine, but we can't, it's not been tested for the safety on that measure. I, I would certainly not, not in the month of Sundays will my child be taking the vaccine. I can tell you that. I mean, I'm, I'm not bothered about taking it, but I wouldn't let my child take it. No, look, I fully understand that. But the point I'm making is that the corporate world and the travel world is effectively going to insist, Juliet, you will be taking this vaccine whether you want to or not. That's the end of the matter. Okay, let me ask you about one other story that's been in the news. um, And this is a a Black Lives Matter um, taking the knee, ongoing demonstrations of support for for that issue uh, from football players in the Premier League. First time we saw fans let in, Millwall fans booing that, not being booed by other fans, we understand, at other stages, despite some reports of that. Big outcry about the fans being racist, booing black players, taking the knee, we're told. Um, Were the players... Were the players right or wrong? Were the fans right or wrong? There still seems to be, in elements of our sporting world, an extreme naivety as to who the Black Lives Matter movement are. And let's just be clear about that. This is not about... They weren't booing a campaign for fairness. They weren't booing a campaign for racial equality. They were booing a Marxist mob who defaced statues try and set fire to the union flag on the cenotaph, are now actually forming up as a political party, would you believe, because they have an application in with the Electoral Commission. Um, and, And Black Lives Matter, the movement itself, is Marxist, it is yobbish, it is violent, it is truly and utterly appalling. I think the Football Association are getting this completely wrong. Well, they, wait they, a they, a say, they say that look, this isn't about the Black Lives Matter, the movement, this is about the sentiment. No, they do. No, no, no. That's the point. This is where the naivety is. They're still backing the Black Lives Matter movement, as are various other players. And I think, frankly, 
if we're going to have a campaign around fairness and equality, we've got to get away from those three letters, BLM, because they now mean something else. Increasingly, people in the country have sussed out what the Black Lives Matter movement is. For some reason, the football authorities haven't yet got there. Online, on DAB, and on the Talk Radio app. Talk Radio. Thanks for listening to the Julia Hartley Brewer Daily. If you liked what you heard, please subscribe and give me a good review. And don't forget to catch me on the Talk Radio Breakfast Show every weekday from 6.30 until 10. Want flexibility? Take yoga. Want flexibility with your health insurance? Check out United Healthcare Insurance Plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly medical, dental, and vision coverage that may be right for you. More at UH1.com. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. If you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. Use the Stamps.com mobile app to mail everything you need to keep your business running with up to 89% off USPS and UPS. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Use code PROGRAM for a special offer. That's Stamps.com, code PROGRAM.